0: Welcome to another edition of Practitioner Radio, Pink Elephant's podcast for the IT management community. Welcome to Practitioner Radio, episode 20. For 2012, the first episode, Pink Elephants podcast for the IT service management community. Hey, it's Chris Dancy, and I'm here with the most... Powerful thunderboltish lightning person that I know that I know that I would do a podcast with
1: Troy Dumale. Hey Chris,
0: Troy, Troy. It's 2020. Do you think you'd live to see 2012? You
1: know, I had my doubts. That whole Mayan thing last year, and I watched that movie. That was a bit unnerving. You know, I, I thought tidal waves and everything. But January first, it was, was kind of like you know, year 2000. Yeah, you know that you know the party we had, and nothing ever yeah. happened the next day. No, I still have uh, food stored from that. <laughs> in your bunker, right? <laughs> yeah, in
0: yeah, the bunker I built to get through in 1999. Uh, Troy, what an amazing uh, 20 episodes. Um, I had, uh, it was really funny, a lot of people... Liked the image of the uh, uh, business operating model from last episode. So, you know, again, thanks for, for embedding stuff like that. We've got another great topic today that we're going to be sharing about with a graphic from it, too. So, those of you who enjoy graphics and like looking at the show notes and all that other, other kind of stuff,
1: we've got good stuff. So, Troy, you never rant. Yeah, I know. You're, you're not a ranter. That's, that's the Canadian part of me. I'm, I'm actually. U.S. and Canadian, but sometimes I'm I'm more Canadian when it comes to you know just general life. I I'm pretty relayed back, so that's where my Canadian side comes in. Yeah, but the reality is I'm 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 ticked. You are <laughs> not ticked. I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed.
0: No, you're not ticked, but I think I think you know you've you've got you've got a valid point here. So let let's talk a little bit about this whole idea of documenting versus deploying processes. And you've got a blog that I'm going to link to right now in the show that is just brilliant. And and I really loved a couple of points of it. You used the word adoption because people... You know, we we'll always, you know, you always hear. I always read. You know, I'm adopting this process. I'm implementing this process. Just recently, uh, I read a blog where a guy used a term I, I like to sometimes joke around with, and it's. I think people should foster parent processes before they adopt them, <laughs> um, uh, which is you know a whole fun play on words. But then you go, you go on to talk about this designing, documenting versus deploying. So like the triple D threat. So. Get us started. How do what got, was it an RFP? What what was it that got you thinking about all this?
1: Yeah, it it was an RFP. Actually several. Okay. So I actually lead Pink Elephant's consulting and education practice for North America and Southeast Asia. So I get to do a lot of responding to requests for proposals and, and customer requirements. And I have to develop a sizing of that and pricing that and, and put it forward as our best foot forward to say, okay, this is what we would do and how we would, you know, offer our services. So, I do that as part of my job, and I have a small team that helps me with that as well. Now, normally, that's not a problem, but sometimes we get these requests for a proposal that are just not sane um <laughs> and it's actually i know
0: and this is you this is a, that's mild i mean that's I would say something much worse
1: <laughs> well, let's just say they don't know the questions, let alone the answers, and right. so they they put out there what they would like. And it's kind of like that SLA discussion we had. When you don't have anything defined, You know, ask for whatever you think is even potentially possible. Mm-hmm. So I'll often get this request uh, for proposal that says, okay, we like this whole ITIL thing. We agree with the concepts. Now we want to put a proposal out for uh, implementing ITIL hmm. in the next year to two years. Two years sometimes is actually a gracious time period. Mm-hmm. Okay, what do you mean by that? And then they'll list off pretty much the entire framework. <laughs> Wait a minute, they don't actually like copy and paste on of books and stuff, do they? Well, they they put the name of the process and the process objective <laughs> so that, you know <laughs> it sounds like they know what they're asking for. But then it's the sheer number that actually just gets you. Mm. Again, I just responded to one for one company that was 17 processes. And that's in two years. And it was kind of put in place that, you know, that's a, that's the goal. Two years to deploy this. That's pretty aggressive for 17. But I've seen worse, especially in regions like Southeast Asia. It seems to be the, the normal thing. And government uh, RFPs often have this as well. It's, there's this perception that I'm going to outsource this and put it out for RFPs. So if I wave my magic wand, somebody will come in and, and do for me what's actually impossible for me, myself, to achieve. Or even take on board as far as a level of change so that's where this whole article is generated from. I said okay, I've got to write down clearly to help people understand what does it really mean to deploy a process because that's very different than just writing a document. A document, I can create that in 2 weeks, you know, with a couple of rounds of iterative response and feedback. Right. But the average process to deploy minimum 4 months. Right. And that's one. <laughs> right. Right. So this is where this this whole concept versus document versus deploy comes in. And I don't get hung up with implement, you know, whatever words you want to use. Yeah,
0: yeah. Some people do get really hung up with that implement word. I was, I'd, n- I never got your take on that. That's interesting.
1: And actually, there's three definitions of the word implement. I'd like to kind
0: of touch on later in our conversation. Well, let's do it now. Because I think, you know, people are probably thinking of me. Did Troy just say implement ITIL?
1: Yeah. You know what? Implement is simply to get something in, right? Right. Get something in. Let's ask ourselves what that means. In this case, I hope what it means is I am changing people's behavior through proper documentation of what should happen in a future state and the automation of that what should in a tool that allows it to actually be even tenable and possible. Sorry, that that that's a thunderbolt. Okay. I, sorry, that was really good. So I like the idea that
0: it's changing people, documenting. Why do you think, just because, again, a lot of people... Look to you. They look to Pink Elephant. They listen know this podcast for direction and guidance. Some of those people are practitioners. Hopefully all of them. I, I, you know, we all are practitioners in our own way. And But I'm sure we have a lot of consults that might listen. In some ways, this this blog, it's, it's not like you're giving away the farm.
1: You know, I we found a long time ago at Pink that better to give the truth in its full baldness and uh, shock and awe than to basically hide the reality of what is happening. And we find that when we give more... We actually get respect, and people actually acknowledge we know what we're talking about. so, in the end, everyone wins when you're actually just upfront and open with things, Frank, basically, about what the truth is hmm. so yeah, it's I'm pretty much documenting our total methodology here, yeah, <laughs> but it's it's because people have to understand what they're up against if they want to be successful, right. So you asked me about the three concept of implementation. in fact, yeah. there's a link on the blog you're going to link to. It actually references a book which is from one of our partners in Denmark. And they define three general definitions of the word, Okay, getting it in. And remember, getting it in, in this case, is changing behavior, right? Hopefully. Okay, But in one case, the first level of implementation is I have a tangible tool project and a documentation project. And all I've got to do is set up a project to get those artifacts created and the tool configured, and I'm implemented. Done. All right? That's one level. I like that. The next level up is, oh, yeah, I guess we've got to create something and it's got to be used later by somebody because there's some consumer customer here that are the recipients of this project. So why don't we bake into the project task the skills-based training so that people actually know how to use this stuff once we go live and we close the project. That's level two of implementation. People actually are educated in its use. The third level, though, is oh, yeah, we'll do all the first two But now we're actually going to create an evergreen organization, set of roles, structures, continual service improvement strategy to make sure that when we finish that quote-unquote project, we've trained everybody in the skills-based training, and we can hand it over to an organization which will take it and actually make this investment worthwhile going forward. That's level three of the term implementation. And of course, in theory, the third one is exactly what you want to do. In my experience, Chris, most with a level one finish the project project closed call that success and you know have the party
0: I think maybe that's why some people don't like the word implement because they only they think that's
1: all it is is level one if that's what they think it is it's not a good thing Okay, implement though can mean any of the three levels nice it's how you've defined the word itself yeah, you
0: know, I, the other day I tweeted, uh, and because someone was asking me for some help on something, and they said, "Well, can you help me define the requirements?" and I said, "Will you start by defining requirement?" Yeah.
1: What do you mean by the word requirement?
0: Exactly. And I just, and they said, "What do you mean? What, are you trying to be smart?" And I'm like,
1: "No, I, I really need to understand what is a requirement to you." I had a I had a very similar case just recently, actually. I was talking to an organization which wanted to talk about global processes, and I said, okay, what do you mean by global process? Exactly! <laughs> right? Do you mean a common process where no one deviates and everyone uses the same? Do you mean a, a process where a part of it is common and that a part of it is actually above and beyond, which is you know the, this core component? Or do you mean I'm going to create this center of excellence, just a library of artifacts that everyone can pull from, and hopefully it'll look the same because it shares the same parentage? Those three very legitimate decisions all could mean global process.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, for as much as I remember when I first started learning about uh, uh, a little bit about ITIL in the early part of last uh, last decade. Because uh, I still don't know what to call. They, they say the knots. I don't know what to call the last. I am happy now. I can say the teens. But I remember then what the big things was. I would tell people oh, it gave me a common language. But you know, the, the longer I I get in the tooth here, the more I go. Well, it got us closer to a common language. I, that's a whole a whole other thing. You talk a little bit about in this in this article, you know, the the, the state of desire uh, of a prospect to adopt or, or, or implement, and then you know, like I, I said before, we got a little bit off. You know, designing and documenting a process versus deploying it. Do you when you get an RFP, do you have to do you have to sometimes call them back, or, or do you have to help them understand that okay, is this an RFP for us to design and document? Or is this a deploy? Or what are you really asking for? Or,
1: I mean, you almost need to have a class with someone before, before they even can write an RFP. And most RFP processes include a question and response period. The most formal only allow you to do it by written. Uh, the least, the lesser formal ones allow you to have some dialogue. Depends on how strict they want to be in this iterative process. But when they've actually said, you know, we want to design and deploy and have it automated in the tool, it's pretty clear, right? They want the whole shoot and match. They want it actually being used. And I would assume that was what the most people would want because documenting a process by itself gets you one thing, uh, a binder on a shelf. doesn't mean anyone's going to use it. Same thing goes for a tool, right? You can buy a tool, but it doesn't mean anyone's going to actually use it. In fact, I've seen many organizations spend lots of money uh, documenting processes because the process is just as potentially useless and uh, automating those in tools and having no one change literally no one doing anything different day one of the rest of their lives basically because the project closed and there was no controls to ensure compliance. Yeah so you can actually fail miserably after spending lots of money yeah if you, you know, focus on the wrong goal. That's major. So you got to think about it you know the the three, We used to say say people, process, technology, but now we get the four Ps, and I like that better. People, process, product, partner. There are literally work stream and interdependent tasks for each of those elements. And there are real people involved, whether you're employing consultants or not, to help you from your side. And what level of resource, time, money can you actually invest? And more importantly, what amount of change can your organization absorb while you're trying to keep the lights on? In my experience, in our experience at Pink, most organizations are not able to sustain more than two, maximum three, parallel transformation projects at one time. I, I think that's a key there. Parallel transformation transformation projects. Because projects. Yeah. I don't think people look at them as transformation. The tool is just one work stream. Right. The process document, another work stream. The the establishment of an ongoing organization which will evergreen this process, another work stream. So all of this means transform <laughs> my organization from my current state of what they're doing to a future state where we all share a common belief system, a common uh, process for execution, and hopefully a common tool, though it's sometimes not the case. Sometimes we have multiple tools all configured the same way, but that doesn't make a lot of sense in the larger scheme of things. But we're transforming the entire process organization here right in fact you think about it this way we're giving people new work to do we're saying this is no longer your job this is now your job right we're giving people new belief systems we're saying you're no longer a silo unto yourself that's the conversation we had in the last session you're this enterprise function and you'll share common beliefs and policies and you'll actually like each other and not <laughs> do battle all the time, you'll collaborate. Then we're giving them new multifunctional tools or multi-process tools used by multiple functions. So we're giving them new technologies to work with. And we can do all the first three, but unless we change their whole reward and incentive programs, we might as well have forgotten the first three tasks. So we're literally taking this organization brick by brick and rebuilding it in a new way. This is transformation.
0: No, that's, uh, that's why I kind of highlighted when you said, you know, your, your transformation program, because so often, I mean, if you look at what's happened over at ITSM Extreme and those blogs, I'll put a link in the show notes. I mean, there's been some major, major transformation there, and it really wasn't just any one piece of those streams you were talking about, it was all the
1: streams coming together. Kind of like in Ghostbusters. All together. That's another key thing is often we try to you know, divide and conquer. The tool project is handled over here by this group, the process project over there, the governance and metrics by another group. That's a recipe for disaster. Hmm. Or another recipe for disaster, and I have an article on this called When ITIL Projects Collide. Because we want to get it all done, we have this major goal of getting six-plus processes done this year. Chris, you take incident, uh, I'll take problem, Mm. that group over there, they'll do change, and they'll go all off and be prosperous and come back having defined their processes totally in isolation, all with their own tools. (laughs) They'll come back and say, we're done. The problem is all of these are things that are supposed to be connected, and there are many things that are shared across processes. But we designed and automated totally in isolation. We've created new silos out of processes.
0: You know, it makes me think of almost an analogy because, you know, when you're talking, my mind is going a mile a minute. And what you just described was as if uh, it, that scenario would work if I was making dinner for my family. But if I'm making dinner in a restaurant for 300 people, I got to, all of us in the kitchen have to work together. Absolutely. Otherwise there's chaos and pandemonium. And the food would, wouldn't would work and people wouldn't come back. And Remember we hmm. said, Velocity is different than agility, right? Lo- loved it. I actually, I didn't want to tell you, but I had it tattooed. <laughs> I could just see that. <laughs> I was just kidding. I didn't have a tattoo.
1: <laughs> so you got to all work towards the same goal. I am
0: a fan of practitioner radio, so okay. Maybe I, maybe I will. I heart practitioner radio. <laughs> I heart practitioner radio. You get, you get free pink passes for the rest of your life.
1: <laughs> Just because we're busy, all busy, even doing ethical processes doesn't mean that you know we're going to link these things up, right? right? Just because we share the same parentage doesn't mean we have the same upbringing. No.
0: As far as the—I the, the, I, want to make sure we get to this uh, before we get too long, uh, before we have, have to end. Uh, but you have an example—, example um, Transformation roadmap, and that we'll put a link to in the show notes. And again, people love it when they have stuff they can look at. Um, I, I, I don't. It's not because I want to start at the beginning, but I do want to start. I just have to ask a question: the baseline gap analysis. Now, I, obviously you don't put specific times in here, you know, this is this long, this is this long. But that baseline gap analysis, that's so important. But you have it overlaid or aligned with an executive overview.
1: Yeah, there's a number of things we're trying to achieve. Yeah,
0: yeah. Help me, because this seems like so important because they always say it's that first step. So help me.
1: Okay, so you'll notice on the picture that at the bottom there's these yellowish boxes with green outlines around them. Those are your ITIL education slash awareness type courses or workshops those are not skills-based training, first of all. Mm. That's general education that is focused on getting the same people in that organization or the people in that organization on the same page. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with teaching you how to do your job tomorrow. It's simply a means by which we come together, agree that this is the goal, and then have a common language to even discuss the problem statement, let alone the opportunity for improvement. Mm. So until I I share that common language and common understanding of intent and objective, you know, I'm lost even in the detail of design. So You've got to get your education strategy in place simply as a management of change task. That's all management of change. Now, the baseline assessment up front in this example is a stick in the sand saying, before we even begin, here's what we look like. And we're going to use that information in a number of ways. I mean, that that seems so important to me. It is, but some people don't value it because I've had people say, Troy, we know we have nothing in place. Our processes are going to come back at zeros. Um, so, you know, why bother? Or I know how bad it's broken. Why would I want to spend money on you telling me that? All right. So from a point of view of just information for planning, that's relatively accurate. It's still good to have up for planning, but that's only one of a couple of reasons you want to do an assessment. Right. There's two more, which are more compelling on the personal level. Right. Uh, one is, all right, a interesting aspect of human nature is that we have very short memories. Thank you. All right. So, What have you done for me lately will be a question every project manager, program sponsor will have to answer sooner or later. So let's say we get through our first phase. We've successfully deployed several processes in a tool. Now I have to go back for another round of funding. Now, if you're not able to show all the benefits that you've accrued through that period of time of improvement, good luck on coming up with the next round of funding. You literally have to take a picture even before you start improving things, how bad it was so that in that now delta view, you can say, look how far we've come. That's your proof, right? And that is probably one of the you know most compelling reasons you want to do this. Another reason you do assessments is because I think we may have talked about why people do things. And one of the reasons people do things is because they know there's consequence. And if there's consequence, there has to be some kind of measurement. If you do assessments initially and then iteratively through your program, it's like, It's like insurance because people know that you're going to come later on and check to see if they're actually doing things the way they're expected to. So having a whole strategy of assessments from the initial and then subsequent, whenever that makes sense, is a strategy to invest in insurance that people will actually be doing it when you come to check because they know you're coming to check. If you care enough to manage it, they'll care enough to do it. So there are a number of different reasons, and the article in the in the blog links list a few more. But to give you an example, it's important to get that snapshot.
0: Well, for me, I mean, because you know, I'm I, I get
1: asked to do a little, bit, even though I've got a
0: new role and all this other kind of stuff. You know, I still get asked to help people out with stuff, and there is something so important about holding in your hands, not a mirror. But a magnifying glass, a microscope, a mirror, you know, an assessment to me is so much more than just a state of where you
1: are. And can I build on that? Yeah. The Another point of reference why you do an assessment is because until it's written down, it's not true. It isn't. It's something you can argue about and subjectively have discussions about. It's not so bad. You, that's your opinion. That's just my opinion. But until you have an assessment where it's black and white in front of you— This is how it looks relative to what could be considered even decent practice. You can ignore it. So unless it's written down in black and white, you have the ability to pretend it does not exist.
0: Brilliant. Thank you for – I think you you said what I was trying to say.
1: Yeah, it's true.
0: (laughs) Because, you know, just even look at people's personal lives, you know. know, The reason I think, you know, banks sent statements is not so you can make sure they weren't, you know, doing bad things. But if you can see it. You know, okay, we need to make adjustments this month. So, you know, the, your baseline gap assessment, you know, that that concept is all over your lives and you know, so often, you know, even, you know, even in in company people don't take time even in just simple things. Not even wow. an going implementation to the gym process. Going to the gym, right?
1: I don't want a personal assessment. Thank you very much. I'll have to deal with it.
0: <laughs> yeah, you have to stare at it. You know, I, 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 you know, I can imagine if I signed up for a gym. Well, that'd be, that's we need almost a dream sequence for that. But uh, if I signed up for a gym, you know, if they said to me, "Okay, we're going to weigh you, we're going to do some blood work, blah blah,", blah but we want to take pictures of you. No, I don't
1: want before and after pictures. It's like, uh, but oh well. All right, I think we should better talk about resourcing and one of the key reasons why it's difficult to. Uh to do more than two or three together. Well,
0: yeah. Why it's more difficult and resources, and because again, we're talking about transformation. So how do you even start to think about resourcing in a transformation process because you said a couple important things about this whole transformation process.
1: Your entire job's going to change. Yeah, major parts of it for sure.
0: So, so let's. Th- how do you even start to address that? Because that could be a real shakeup for some people.
1: Well, first of all, there's a myth about the proper use of consultants. Some people think I don't have the time and energy, so I'm just going to outsource it all. I'm going to have someone come in and do it everything for me. I'm going to look at it, bless it, and say that's true, and let's move. The reality is sometimes the journey is more important than the end state. Here's another mini thunderbolt. Until I actually have put some sweat equity, some thought and some personal energy into the design, I have very little emotional attachment to it. So if I outsource it all to another pair of hands, I will always have this feeling of, It doesn't work for me. It's not invented here. It was a consultant who did this. And I have many, many customers who have lots of examples of beautiful binders on their shelves they have done this with. Basically, they have paid a consultant to create them wonderful fictions, uh, works of fiction. So the document itself, again, is not the objective Getting to the point of agreement on the document is the objective, mm. and unless I have some sweat equity in this, I'm probably not going to agree that this is a true example of how things can work here. Especially in the U.S., we have this wonderful "don't not invented here" syndrome as part of our culture, right? So yep. there's this conversation about the right and you know wrong way to use consultants, and there's another link in the article the designing a process design team, and I go into. Talking about that kind of concept, but let's just for imagine imagine for a moment that we use consultants, but as an enabler, kind of a coach and advisor, a facilitator, bringing the templates, the documents, but getting kicked off workshops and you know getting through some of the original uh, dialogue and and discussion, but working with a building a competency within the organization, service management expertise in the organization they're working with. That's the third level of, of implementation. We're back to again, you know, building a service management office within that. That organizational structure. Right. Well, let's say we have one or two consultants working with this small core design team. In my or, in my experience, that core design team will be three to five people optimal, because you want people who are subject matter expertise, people in the organization. You want certain people. I'll call them change agents, because if they're in the group, then we know they'll influence another group, uh, parts of their group they're coming from. And then there's a the third part, uh, which is sometimes it's better to have your friends closer or your friends closest the excuse me is the obvious sometimes it's better to have your detractors enemies, enemies yeah. closer than farther because if they're inside the process and they have the sweat equity they're less likely to take pot shots at it from outside you know I, yeah. I often get this case when we have a unionized shop would you prefer to have the union representative in the design activity or on the outside when you finished everything they just shoot it full of holes yeah So you've got this core team. It's got three to five people, and let's say they can't work full-time, so they're working a couple days a week. Fine, but we still have three to five people doing this. Then there's a tool side of this, uh, because everything we design in concept on paper, we have to then take the tool, and we hopefully are doing prototypes, iterative design prototyping as we go through this, not sequential, where we do all the documentation and then bring it to the tool. No, we want that to be a parallel task, but you're going to have people in the tool team hopefully representing Um, be a representative on the core team as well but the usual tool team will be another three to five people and if you've got multiple processes all hitting at the same time for prototyping and configuration that's going to even expand so for one process with a tool team right in design phase you're looking at five to ten people on the outside now imagine if we're doing more than one process (laughs) which is Of course, obvious from the people who want to do these 15 plus, you know, in two years. You have six, seven processes almost in parallel. Can you imagine the amount of resources internally you would have to apply to this? Let alone to when we get to the end of this configuration phase, because in the diagram it shows the green line overlapping, which is where we highlight the high level, you know, design. Then the, the tool piece takes over a lion's share of the project from the month three in the example, to where we get to month five where pretty much the tool is configured and tested and the screens have stopped jumping on you. Now I have to create these workshops for deploying the process. Mm. Literally, it's like, okay, Chris, bring your team or part of your team to a lab where we have the tool set up as a lab environment. And for the first hour, we're going to say, here's the ABC process. And for the next two hours of the morning, we're going to use use case scenario-based exercises for tool training. And we got to put everybody through this.
0: Which you wouldn't be able to do those use cases without some b- good baseline, by the way. Yeah,
1: I mean, the use case is based <laughs> on the document and the process you've pretty much f- figured out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Francie Frontline front logs in and creates a ticket and assigns it to Bob back office and they, they, they attach a CI record to that and that would then generate a change. You have to do that association. So literally, if you're... If you've got 800 people in your organization, you've got to deploy everyone through this workshop. It might take weeks, months. Meanwhile, you've got your current process and current system and your new process and your new system or new instance of the same system, and you're running them in parallel until you've got everybody switched over and then you got to deal with the old system. So this concept for planning right to deploy, that's where it takes minimum four to six months. And on average, per process, we're looking at, again five to ten people involved from your organization not just the consultants you're hiring do you really believe you can successfully de- you know do more than two or three because we're now talking 20 30 maybe more people in principle to actually deploy more than a couple processes in parallel
0: the thing that blows my mind when when I listen to and and we don't want to make it because I think you know there are some people uh, who and I you know I, I I'd be remiss in saying that I haven't thought this at times. They would listen to that and go, who's got time? To, that's way too complicated. But I, I think, you know, who doesn't have time? It, it's really strange. It's As, I, as I, I grow in this journey with you on, on practitioner radio and I spend more time talking to folks outside, and the more I realize that, you know, we, we need this type of behavior more than ever in 2012, not less. You know, how you know to, to be that forward thinking and that adaptive, you know, the, the you know, I always well, I start to worry, well, gosh, if I do all that that Troy just said and, and I'm really diligent about it, how do I handle then life? So then, if someone on one of these core teams gets promoted and you know, it's no longer part of that part of the company, and then I've got to do I start from scratch? And yeah,
1: it happens all the time. Well, don't tell me that, that that's life happens, <laughs> babe. That's what happens. All right. Right, and that's mm-hmm. why a lot of our projects, uh, you know, go south because literally the players change, and emphasis changes, focus, priority, resources change through the life of a program. So many start these large transformation initiatives of X number of processes, but find they get only part way through because of the very thing you just mentioned. Right, so that's just a reality. Now, can you implement a tool? Does she out of the box in a couple of weeks? Absolutely, especially with the new you know software as a service model. Can you document a process in a couple of weeks? Absolutely. What you got is a tool implemented and a process documented, but you have no guarantee you have an organization willingly to change behavior.
0: No, you just brought me a slice of cake with frosting on the
1: side. Yeah, it's there. I can say it's there and I I bake the cake and I put it on a plate in front of you.
0: Yeah, that's a level one and a level two separate. It's like, that's yeah, that would be, yeah, no, you can't.
1: We had an organization come to us just recently and say, listen, we it was a tool project for us we implemented a tool and we got it done in about 6 weeks and what we got is a tool mm. <laughs> you know we have no change in behavior we realized we lost sight of the goal mm. the goal was transformation was making people do something different than they're doing today in a new way in a new in a new tool it means a lot more effort in the in the whole conversation of transformation
0: well now uh we were at that, that time of the hour, but I do have to say, um, in the spirit of, of transferring knowledge into results, this has been a, you know, maybe we should have named Practitioner Radio, transferring knowledge into results, because uh, hopefully we, we give people stuff so that they can actually transform into results. But uh, we got Pink 12 coming up. We've got one more episode we record before uh, Pink 12, maybe two. I It's always hard, oh, hard for me to, to do math in my head when I talk to you because you overwhelm
1: me. And now's the time for a promo. Chris and I are going to be at Pink 12 doing practitioner radio live. <laughs> yes. For those of you who are still on the fence, I can't believe anybody be
0: on the fence, but some people enjoy the wood. Um, get to Pink 12 because uh, uh, Monday the I'm not sure the date, but check check look, look for Pink uh, Troy. We're going to be recording in front of people live. It, it's going to really be practitioner because all you guys will be there. So uh, check it out. Uh, make sure you come visit. Uh, and, you know, make sure you sign up to uh, get over to Pink 12 I, I think it's gonna be exciting because I've done live shows before But they're always with, like, the other people I do the podcast with The thing that's different about practitioner radio for me Is, like, I really have to, like, listen <laughs> 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 You can't do a podcast like this and not listen So I'm, just, I'm like, you get to watch me actually pay attention Which might be the, 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 the best reason to go uh, Troy, it's that time Hey, I'm there. It's time for Troy's Thunderbolt Tip of the Day!
1: Okay, Chris, remember, when considering ITSM, process adoption, implementation, whatever, make sure you carefully consider the amount of change your organization can absorb at one time. Most organizations can handle about two to three maximum parallel projects at one given time period. Amazing. Troy? It's been a brilliant show,
0: and we will see everybody in two weeks. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye bye.